Hello and welcome back to Pan Am. It has been a while, but I'm hoping to get back to it. So here is a quick little episode that I wrote for us um, following my visit to the most tiny and exclusive cemetery in Paris on the 1st of November. It's right at the top of the Butte Montmartre which is beautiful but so busy. There are so many tourists. Montmartre is such a lovely neighbourhood. But if you go, I always advise people to not just go up to the very top because otherwise you just think it's horrible and there's loads of other nice things to see. Anyway, so this cemetery is only open twice a year. It's open on the 1st of November for All Saints Day and for the Journée de Patrimoine. And I've been meaning to go and I finally went. I brought my whole family with me and made them queue up to go and visit it. Um, And there was loads of tourists in the queue. And I don't know if they actually knew what they were queuing to see. I think some of them were very, very lost. But it was really lovely. And you, you have to have a guided tour. You can't just go around on your own. And we had a really lovely guide called uh, Audrey and she was really like getting into it and telling us all the information. And she had two other colleagues and one of them was this very grumpy man who kept shouting at her, Audrey, dépêche-toi. So he was hurrying her along, but we were able to really get in there and she told us lots of fabulous stories. So if you do find yourself in Paris, in Montmartre on the 1st of November, and you speak French or not, you don't have to understand what they're saying because you're still going to see the cemetery. It is really worth a little visit. We went for uh, lunch just before at this new little cafe called Lady Marmalade, which was delicious. We had pancakes. Um, There was no marmalade, but uh, I fully recommend them as well. So let's get into this little cemetery. I wanted to go and visit the cemetery and of course I've chosen one story to tell you today about the cemetery so let's get into it. So um, we'll start by painting a picture of where we are. So right at the top of Montmartre on Rue Saint, uh, Rue Mont-Senis which is just by the church, uh, the Église Saint-Pierre, the St. Peter's Church, which is one of the oldest churches in Paris. It dates back to 1133, and it used to be the church of the Abbey. You probably know down the road there is Abbess, because up here there used to be a very big Abbey, but that was destroyed in the French Revolution. And actually inside the church you can find the tomb of Marie-Louise de Montmorency-Leval, who was the last abbess, and she was sadly guillotined in 1794. Um, And the church is really old. Its history dates back a really long way. It was apparently founded by Saint Denis in the 3rd century, and there are even pillars within the church dating back to the Roman temple of Mercury that once occupied this site. Um, And it's full of history. One thing that I found out on my research from the really excellent books just next to me here uh, Paris by Teresa Valois she writes that every seven years a, a group of monks would come from the Basilica Saint-Denis which you can actually see from the top of the hill from the end of the road they would come from Saint-Denis and they would bring with them the head of the saint and they'd make their way up to the abbey and then the nuns would come out and they would kiss this very holy relic and then the monks would go back they'd go back to with the head to Saint-Denis and they'd be led by four of their number dressed all in red so not really sure what that's all about Um, and actually while I was looking into the head of Saint-Denis because 
sometimes you'll see St. Dennis's head fully chopped off and he's holding it and looking, you know, fine, because I'm sure you know the legend. He gets his head chopped off by the Romans and then he picks it up and goes walking and then collapses and that's where Saint-Denis, the basilica, is. But then in other tellings, you'll see just the top of Saint-Denis' head sliced off. So especially in medieval churches, you'll see Saint-Denis and he's got his head, but just the top part's been sliced off. So some places will say that part of his head was sliced off before he was beheaded. So I don't know, did they have the full head, just the top of the head? Who knows? Anyway, today his head is in Saint-Denis. It doesn't come from a procession. There's no processions anymore. In fact, the last procession procession took place in 1784, which is quite late, really. The church was nearly destroyed when they built Sacré-Cœur, but thankfully it is still here. But we're not interested in the church today. Just next to the church are these huge, gorgeous bronze doors, which, like I said, they're normally shut. You're not allowed to go in. And behind them is that peaceful little cemetery. It's only 600 metres squared and has only 85 tombs. Um, It is called the Cimetière du Calvaire, or the Calvary Cemetery. Now, I didn't know what that meant, so I looked it up, and Calvary means it has a representation of Christ's crucifixion, usually sculpted and in the open air. Thank you, Collins Dictionary. And indeed, there is a rather uh, dramatic um, display, um, sculpture of the crucifixion just over the wall from the cemetery. So you can see it from the cemetery, but we weren't able to visit. So we don't go and visit it in its own separate bit. And apparently there's a carve uh, underneath and it cost an awful lot of money to make. But who knows? I'm not allowed to go. We weren't allowed to go and visit there. So that's a that's a story for another day. Now, the cemetery is also possibly one of the oldest um, it's officially, it was officially created in 1688 on a plot of land given by the abbess of Montmartre and it was supposedly on a site of the ancient more Virginian necropolis. So pretty exciting. Um, and I'm going to get into the more Virginians, more of Virginians. It's a very hard word to say um, in an extra Muros episode. Actually, I'm writing it right now. It was closed during the revolution and then it reopened in 1801, but it ultimately closed again in 1831 when the cemetery of St. Vincent opened just down the road. Now inside, when you get in, it looks very much like you would imagine. Um, And it's got a mix of interesting people, the sort of well-to-do Montmartre people who mainly came from the 9th arrondissement, today the 9th arrondissement, a neighbourhood that they tried, but I've not seen it catch on to be called Soapy, as in south of Pigalle, but anyway. So sort of like well-to-do people like the Duc de Crillon, whose father named the hotel, which you can still visit today at the Place de la Concorde. There was also the tomb of the sculptor Jean-Baptiste Pigalle, whose tomb was sadly destroyed during the revolution. And I feel a bit bad for Pigalle because he is a really lovely sculptor. And I would say one of his pieces that I know about and think is really lovely is in the Église Saint-Sulpice, the saint Sulpice Church, the font. It's really beautiful. And so he was obviously a sculptor and I think a religious man. But now when we we think of Pigalle, which obviously has his name, the Metro, we don't think of sculptures, do we? It's the red light district. You think of the big sex shops and all that you can see down there. Anyway, so poor old Pigalle. 
But his tomb was here. He was buried here, but he's no longer here. There's also other important people. So the four, the first mayor of Montmartre is buried here, Félix Desport. Um, who else? There's Louis-Antoine de Bougainville, Bougainville, who was a navigator and explorer and some well-to-do families. But there were also more typical Montmartre families that we can find here, like the Lecueil family, family who were quarriers, so that was important at the time. And the people we're interested in today, which is the Debray family, who are perhaps the most family, most famous family in Montmartre, and they were millers. Now, remember that Montmartre was once covered in windmills. Um, there were 30 odd windmills all around Montmartre and the Debray family owned a few of them. Um, and of course, today there are a few more. There are some windmills in Montmartre, but not many. The cemetery is actually closed uh, to the public, but if you do have family buried here, I believe you are allowed to go in. And according to Wikipedia, the last burial here was in 2010, and that was of Jean Varin, who is a member of the Debray family. So it still is uh, accessible in some ways, the cemetery. So let's get into the Debray family. Um, they have a the most noticeable tomb in the cemetery because it's right in the centre and on the top there's a little windmill which makes sense, of course, they were millers and they owned one of the most famous windmills in Paris, the Moulin de la Galette. You might be familiar with this name even if you don't know Montmartre because of the painting, the famous painting by Renoir, his Belle de la Moulin de la Galette which hangs at the Musée d'Orsay. It's a really big painting. It shows this very gay scene with people who are dancing and drinking and smoking and chatting all in this lovely dappled sunlight with the sort of characteristic peachy tones that Renoir likes so much. Um, it was done in a very sort of impressionist way. Apparently Renoir would take this canvas, big as it was, every day to the galette and try and paint from life, painting outside, trying to catch that fleeting moment that we associate with the impressionists. And it's maybe because of this painting that when I think of the story of the Moulin de la Galette, I think of it as a fun, fun place where people are having a good time and that is true, but it also conceals a dark history. So let's get into that. So the Debray family have been milling for a long time. Apparently they've passed down from father to son through generations stretching back to the medieval times. This is according to Secrets of Montmartre, which is a fun blog. Um, and they owned two windmills. So they had one which was called the Radé or Radet windmill, which used to grind gypsum, uh, so like plaster for a porcelain factory in Clignancourt, because I'm sure you know that plaster of Paris once did come from Paris. And that's why Metro Blanche is called Blanche, because it was all once white. And then they also had the Moulin de la Galette, which used to be called the Blute Fine. Uh, Blute Fine comes from the French verb blute, which means sifting, flour, so finely sifting. Uh, there we go. Um, all's going well for the Debray family. You know, they're making their livelihoods and milling and doing all the rest of it. And then that all changes in 1814 when Paris was invaded by the Russians. This was called the the Battle of Paris. 
And this is following Napoleon's terrible campaign in Russia. And I really can't tell you much more about the details because I find military history so utterly boring that when I do try to get into it, all the nitty gritty, my brain sort of switches off. So let's just draw a veil over all those details. All we need to know is that Montmartre at this time was outside of Paris, but strategically very important because it's up on a hill. Anyway, the Debray family consisted of four brothers and they did not take kindly to this invasion and so they sort of tried to defend their mills and Montmartre. Now, alas, three of the brothers were killed. And then the oldest brother, Pierre-Charles de Bray, accompanied by his son, tries to avenge his brothers and shoots on the advancing troops. He is quickly overwhelmed and in retaliation, they, and this is according to the legend, killed him and then cut his body into pieces and attached them to the arms of his own windmill. It was days before his widow was actually able to cut him down and give him a proper proper burial in the cemetery that we are visiting. His son was also attacked and he was impaled through the stomach and left for dead. And miraculously, he survived, though he was never able to eat solid food. Anyway, the son, Nicolas Charles de Bray, turned the Blutfine into the Moulin de la Galette. He changes its name and he opens up the ganguette he turns it into the party place it becomes known for um it gets its name because it was custom at the time to serve galettes which were little biscuits or like little pancakes to the customers while they're waiting for their flour to be milled along with a glass of milk and it was i presume just known locally as the moulin de la galette and then it actually takes its name it changes its name much later um and then he opens a ganguette which is a place where people can dance and meet and so on on the weekend and Mondays it was a place where people could go and dance and have a really good time and soon enough the milk was replaced by wine which of course is also produced in Montmartre at the time and attracts all the famous people who are living there obviously not famous at the time but you know Renoir, Van Gogh, all the all the artists and locals and it actually was quite the notorious address I have ri- I have seen written that it was, and please forgive my accent, il se frippe plus de jupons qui se blute de farine. So they, uh, more skirts are rumpled or crumpled than flour is sifted. So sounds absolutely great. Today, if you'd like to visit the Moulin de la Galette or the Moulin Radette, you can sort of. Uh, the Moulin de la Galette it is found at 75 to 77 Rue Le Pic, um, and you can see it from the outside. And the Radet is on the corner of the street just up the road, and today is a restaurant which I've never eaten at, but apparently it's delicious. So, there you go. That is the dark, fascinating story of the Debray family and the lovely, tiny little cemetery hidden away for most of the year which I would say definitely visit. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you're well and I hope to hear from you soon. Take care. Bye.